What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host for the show. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Skull, the Hero Slayer, is the game for this week's episode. Skull is a 2D roguelike action platformer. And some comparable games, at least from the roguelike side of things, something like Enter the Gungeon, uh, Hades, even though I haven't played that yet, Returnal, so any of your kind of roguelikes do a run type game. Skull was released initially in January of 2021 on PC, Mac, and Linux. And then in October of 2021 on Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. The game had a bunch of physical releases. So in December of 2021, uh, there was a signature edition release. It was kind of like a special edition. In April of 2022, there was a deluxe edition that was released, I think, only in Japan through PlayAsia on PS4 and Switch. And the game also had an initial retail release on Switch and PS4 from Merge Games. The game was developed by Southpaw Games. I'm pretty sure this was their first game. Uh, I don't know too much about them. I tried looking on their website. I tried reaching out on Twitter and whatnot, uh, but I haven't heard anything back. I think they're from somewhere in Eastern Asia. I think they're a small team. They look like maybe five or six guys, so shout out to small team. It was published by NeoWiz, who has published some indie games, but is going to be publishing an upcoming game called Lies of P that seems to be getting a lot of attention. I'm a big Bloodborne fan, so it's kind of a Pinocchio in a Bloodborne universe. Very interesting. So we'll see how that releases. Skull was released digitally with a price of $19.99. And the retail versions, I'm seeing some variation. I think the Switch version... I'm seeing it at $39.99, but I'm seeing the PS4 at $29.99. And so at this point on Amazon, uh, also with discounts, I'm not too sure. The PlayAsia Deluxe Edition, which was only released in Japan, or at least uh, you can order it, but it'll be shipping from Japan, um, is $59.99. And the Signature Edition, I think they're a company out of Canada, I want to say, or maybe somewhere in Europe. Um, but their equivalent to that edition was, I think, about $42. Um, so a lot of different physical editions out there, but uh, the digital edition that you probably see on the storefronts going for $19.99. Runtime of the game, somewhere, if you're just going through the story, somewhere between 15, uh, probably heavier on the 20-hour side of things, but that's if you really know what you're doing and you're kind of bolting through. Um, but a lot of people are really putting in hours with this. 
I'm looking at you know upwards of 30 hours. So a little bit more time on this one. Not necessarily uh, mandatory, but uh, we'll get into that. For our PlayStation listeners, this does have a Platinum Trophy on PS4. Me, I got this on sale for $13.99 on PSN, and I've been playing it on PS4. I've put in a little more than seven hours, maybe seven or eight hours, but no one recommended this game to me. I just saw it. It kind of looked cool. Uh, the combat looked pretty kinetic, and um, I like some of the customization that I saw in the combat. Alright, let's talk some gameplay. So, Skull is a 2D roguelike action platformer. So, roguelike, we've kind of mentioned or tiptoed around roguelike and roguelites before on this podcast. Uh, but essentially, I'll be straight with you about roguelikes. They're not my favorite genre because the idea of a roguelike is it's kind of like an arcade mode. Like, you're just playing and you're going until you die. And then when you want to start again, you have to start back at the beginning. Um, and so, it's this idea of doing a run until you die and then you start over. And so I'm personally not that big of a fan of games like that because I like permanence in my game. I like to feel progress. But some of the newer ones that are out in terms of roguelikes have some interesting ways of of doing things. So this game is not any different. You know, you'll be doing a run and then you'll die and then you'll start over. And the idea is that it is a 2D platformer. So you are kind of going through these screens and you'll have to fight enemies, and at the end of it, you'll be progressing by going in one door, or there might sometimes be a choice of two doors. And then you go in the door, and then you go to the next room, so on and so forth. And so these rooms are going to be procedurally generated. They're not going to be like a single screen. Some of them might be in our in the mini-boss fights, but for the most part, you are traversing a little bit through this level. Uh, it's a little more than a single screen. Sometimes there's some verticality, like you might actually be going up and jumping on platforms, to get to uh, the doors, or you might actually be going down. And when you're in these rooms, enemies are going to be appearing in waves. And so you'll kill a a bunch of enemies, and all of a sudden a bunch more will appear. And then in order to progress through the game, you have to kill all the enemies, so you have to wait until all the waves are done. And then right at the doors that you're going to go into or choose between, you'll know that you've killed all the enemies because a reward will appear. And we'll talk about the different rewards that you get. So you have to pick up the reward, and then you go into one of the doors. But along the way, you'll run into some other things that we'll get into, like uh, some of the rooms will be rooms where you're going to be in a shop and trying to buy things. Like I said, there'll be mini-bosses, and there'll be area bosses. And sometimes the doors that you choose between, they're going to be kind of adorned differently. I'm not sure if that indicates what's in the door, like an easier path or a harder path or one that's going to give you more you know, gold or currency or something like that. So I'm not too sure of that. And then you'll be getting some currencies along the way. You'll be getting gold to buy things. You'll be possibly getting bones. And then you'll be getting dark quartz. So let's get into some of the basics of the movement. So your character, it is a 2D action platformer. So you'll be kind of running, 
jumping, attacking, and dashing. Sometimes you will have special moves that are like skills, and these are specific to the character that you are, and this will change, and we'll talk about it. And sometimes you'll be using the moves that you start out with, with the character you start out with, or along the way you'll be acquiring sort of different quote-unquote hats, uh, but we're going to call them skulls. What's going to happen a lot is you're going to be swapping between different hats that you'll wear or the skulls that are kind of like different personas. But the basic character that you start out with is Skull. His persona is pretty simple. He's a skeleton and he's got a skull and he's got a bone that he's using as kind of a sword. And he does have a special move where he can throw his skull and hit an enemy. His other move is actually to teleport to where the skull goes. And this is actually really interesting. This is probably the simplest version of the gameplay but I still found this really satisfying to do because a lot of this is going to be quick kinetic combat here. So throwing the skull and then it hitting an enemy and then quickly teleporting to where the skull is and then just whacking that enemy that you just hit. It can actually be really, really fun and rewarding just on a, a pretty basic level. So we're going to split this up into what's not permanent in this game and what is permanent in this game because that's essentially going to be the trademark of a roguelike, a lot of non-permanents. So... Basically, everything that you're going to buy at shops, rewards you're going to get at the end of levels um, and in levels, all those things are not going to be permanent. And if you open up your inventory, you'll see some of the spots or the spaces where things are going to go. And the first is skulls. So you can hold two skulls. And if you come across another, you can kind of swap it out. And what these are are essentially different forms that you're going to uh, do in combat. You're going to be in these forms, and they're going to have different skill sets. And there's a lot of variation on the basic skill set. So like I said, you're going to be dashing, attacking, uh, jumping, running, and things like that. But when you have a different skull on, you're going to adopt a different persona. And it's going to be like, you know, words that you would know, like werewolf or like uh, gambler or ninja or things like that. Like basic like jobs from like a job system game. And it's going to have variations on some of these simple things. So some of your dashes are going to be like longer. They're going to be faster. You might have an extra dash, because I think the main character can do two in a row. Some will have dashes that actually do damage. There'll be varying attack speed with a lot of these skull forms. Different skill moves, those special moves that we talked about. So, like, the main guy can throw his skull and then teleport. So you're going to get all kinds of things. There's just a lot of variation here. And sometimes you'll get an attack of a skull that can actually charge up. So you can hold the, charge, the attack button. And another really cool thing is the transform move. So when you're switching between skulls, they're all going to have unique sort of abilities that they do right as they come in. Definitely extreme variety in terms of like different types of builds or different types of skulls that you can get. So some will have, you know, sort of quick attacks and, and really cool skills that are going to, you know, quickly slice out a bunch of people. Some are going to be some heavy hitters. Some are going to be magic users, range users. I will say that all of them are pretty much viable. I like having a really fast melee person. And then the other one either be something, you know, a bit more powerful or has sort of big moves that it can take out a lot of guys quickly um, or just like a heavy hitter. So there's a lot of variety out there and a lot of ways to kind of balance. Uh, some of my favorites, I like the werewolf. I'm really liking the thief. It's a really simple one, but it hits so quickly. And the dodge is, they, they both actually dodge really far. Um, but some of the other ones are really, really good. Uh, like there's a mage, there's one that's like living armor. 
they'll actually have varying abilities. So you'll see some of them multiple times, um, but some of their skills will be different each time, uh, which is interesting. So even some variation within. Um, and there are some that I don't really like. There, there's one that looks like a tree guy, almost like Groot, uh, and he's really slow. And I just haven't gotten used to his uh, sort of feel. But all of them, I think, can balance each other out. Again, you have two to swap back and forth between. Uh, another thing that you'll get, another slot in your inventory, is for something called Quintessence. Okay, and this is like a special kind of area of effect move that you can find or you can buy or you can get it as a reward. Um, and these are like lifesavers. Like sometimes you'll be, you'll just need a big thing to happen to get a lot of enemies off of you and you'll use it. Um, but again, it has to be acquired because you don't start with one. Um, and the same goes with skulls. You only start with your main skull. So you get things along the way. And then in your inventory, you can fit up to nine items. And these items can be some of the most diverse things you'll ever see. So some of them could be buffs, some can be helpful actions, it can be like percent physical attack up or percent uh, magic attack up, or it can be percent uh, cooldown down or something like that, or cooldown speed up or increase max HP. It can be, you know, inflict status effects. Sometimes you'll get like helpers that'll fly around with you and kind of do passive damage. There's one that's like, it'll strike a random enemy with lightning every eight seconds. So like there's all these things to assist you, especially passively, that once you kind of accrue a lot of them, you can really be kicking some serious ass. And what's interesting about these items is they're given like two separate classes of items on there. And as you progress through the game, if you're holding them, I think they kind of level up and they get some additional benefits. Uh, the initial thing might be like every time you gain HP, like it does damage to a random enemy. And then like if you level up one of the classes just by playing the game, like it'll say like you gain 10 HP every, you know, 20 seconds or something like that. So now it's starting to really accrue uh, and these abilities are, are kind of passively just growing and kicking ass on their own. There's cooldowns to a lot of things. And so at the bottom of the screen, you'll see them. They're all in squares. And then once you use something, it'll be kind of like a clock, um, you know, recoloring in the box. And so your quintessence is going to have a cooldown. Your character skills are going to have a cooldown. Swapping between skulls, like you can't just do it back and forth. Like there's a cooldown for that too. So there's a lot of balance here and a lot of different cooldown things to manage and different skills. And But if you can really just be aware of it and time different things, I mean, you can just go and go and pull something out of your out of your back pocket like every other second or something like that and it's it, it really works out this combat is just extremely kinetic and it's very responsive i find that like dodging through enemies and like doing a skill move and a quintessence everything folds in so nicely and it doesn't get clunky it doesn't lag or anything like that like everything is really on point and really accurate um, and it feels really good to play this game. I mean, even like I said in the beginning, just throwing the skull and, and teleporting and then immediately whacking the guy with the bone, it's so satisfying. What's interesting about this and maybe unfortunate and can be frustrating is a lot of this is random drops. So it's kind of an RNG type situation where like in a run, you might be getting some skulls that you don't really like or you might not be getting good items and it is random and that can be a little frustrating. I don't know the methodology, like on the back end, like what's involved in adding to the drop pool. 
I feel like as I'm progressing, some cooler skulls are becoming more available, um, but I don't know for sure if it's tied to progression. So in terms of the currency and spending it, so as you progress through some of these rooms, you'll come across shop levels and you'll probably come across a shop level twice before like one main boss, like in each you know world or, or, or board or whatever. And when you go to the shop level, it's like you're in a level and it's peaceful, everything's fine. And there's a station where you can probably buy one health item to recover some health. Uh, there's going to be four items that are randomly there available for you to buy. Uh, both of those, you're going to be using gold for that. There's always going to be one free skull that you can take, which I like. So even if you are struggling to find good skulls, when you get to a shop room, you might find a good one there for free. You can also buy a quintessence and you can also buy an item by spending dark quartz, which is actually a permanent currency. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And so that special item that you get that you could buy is, is going to be kind of expensive and kind of a, a risk reward type thing. That item and a quintessence item might not always be there. Like the person might be, you know, away or something like that. One thing you can also do is upgrade your skulls because what's going to happen as you progress through the game, you might find this certain uh, repetitive NPC that's there and you're going to be using bones for that. And bones are a currency that you can pick up. It's most often going to be a currency that you get by like not picking up another skull and actually destroying it and it'll leave pieces of bones. This is something that I thought was permanent. I thought upgrading a skull was like, now every time you have that skull, it's on another level, but it's not. So if there's a skull that you really like and you want to upgrade it, that's great, but you're only going to get it for that run. So just be aware of that. But there's no other use for bones. So if you have the bones, you might as well do it. Now, what is permanent? Like I said, Dark Quartz is a currency. And this is what's interesting because when you die... You go back to sort of this beginning room and there's an NPC there where you can spend dark quartz for permanent upgrades. So there is some permanence here and this will be like always adding a certain percent of physical attack or magic attack or uh, upping your max HP that you start with. Um, so this is kind of nice. Again, I always want more permanence in games like this. So it's nice to at least have this. And something else that's permanent in this game that's interesting, as you're going through the levels, uh, sometimes you're going to be freeing skeleton NPCs. They're going to be like in these wooden boxes, like wooden crates, and you have to like smack it to get it open. Uh, there's something very Spyro the Dragon about this, because when you do it, you'll talk to them and sometimes they'll give you something. There's something interesting about this because after I freed a couple of these skeletons, when I died and I went back to that initial room where I respawned, there started to accrue some of them. And the first one, now he's there permanently. Every time I talk to him right after I respawn, he gives me a skull. And it's always a different one. And now there's another guy there who gives me an item. And it's always a different one. So again, there's some permanence and progression there because it's like, okay, if you free... I don't know if it's freeing these specific skeletons or a certain number, like there's a threshold, like every 10 or something like that you'll get, it's basically buffing what you get in the beginning, which is, again, a nice compromise. It's kind of nice. And this is a common thing in a lot of roguelikes, um, having more options in the beginning or upping your starting stats and stuff like that. In terms of enemies, there's some good variation. 
as you progress through. Some of these enemies, as you're getting further into the game, are going to be like advanced versions of some newer ones, but it's okay. I like it because it ups the challenge, um, and it still kind of changes what you do. But overall, I think it introduces uh, a lot of different enemies, and I really like uh, some of the challenge there. And you're going to be finding yourself in front of a lot of mobs or even in a lot of mobs. And I like sort of this uh, different approach that you could take. Like if you have a skull character that does range stuff or magic stuff, like you can try to hang back, but you might get sniped by things. You know, you might not be doing enough damage. I like the sort of risk reward of going head first, uh, especially with some of the quicker melee or even heavy hitters and just like wipe out a bunch of enemies at once. I found that it's not beneficial to play this game scared. And as I've been playing it more and more, I'm, you know, running into a crowd of enemies with only like five health left. And like, I'm just going in there and kicking ass and I'm actually doing pretty well. The more you get the hang of this game, I think the more that you're going to avoid getting hit, especially in areas that you've been to a bunch of times. There are mini bosses, like I said, and I like this. It's like a one screen room and I like this little one-on-one challenge it's really fun and you know I've gone through some of these and gotten my ass kicked I've gone through some of these and not even gotten hit um, and as you progress further into the game sometimes there'll be too many like two enemies in the same mini boss uh, kind of chamber and then there's bosses this is interesting because this is like kind of the end of the board or like it actually shows at the top almost like the original Super Mario Brothers where it's like level 1-1 or 1-2. So each boss is going to be the end of like level 1. There's some variation with these bosses too. They're fun. Uh, They're really tough. Especially the first one. It took me maybe 4 or 5 tries uh, just to kill them. But again, not a fan of roguelikes and I thought maybe there'd be a little Souls-like in here where like, oh, I beat this big boss. I don't have to do this again or now I advance to the next and then sure enough after I died I came back and I had to beat that boss again but it's also interesting because it unveils some of the story when you beat a boss for the first time so I was really hoping that maybe there would be some kind of option to circumvent the first level or something like that after I beat the boss in terms of progression uh, there is a story in this game I want to really know more when you beat bosses, there are like little storybook cutscenes. I don't know whose perspective they're being told from, but with the gameplay being so grindy and doing a run and doing 10 runs and dying and not beating a boss, the cutscenes are kind of few and far between. So you really forget that there's a story sometimes. And again, that's not like a knock on the actual story because I think there is something here. Uh, I just don't hear it enough. I don't feel it enough. Let's talk about the vibe of this game. So visually, this is a pixelated game. It's very colorful. I like the visuals. It's interesting because while it is pixelated, the animations, especially of the enemies, are so clear. And so you get really used to their mannerisms, even after only a couple levels like going through. 
um, and sort of the tells that they have, like whether it's the small guys with swords or the big guys or when you start to see the magic users, like you know when your window is to attack or like when you need to dodge or when something big is coming. Um, and I think it all starts with the visuals and kind of those tells. I love the detail in the different skull forms. So like the werewolf, like the Iceman. I, I just love the differentiation visually that happens there. And there's a lot of detail. Sometimes in a boss fight, like the first boss fight, uh, there are platforms to jump on, but it's not always clear where they are. Like it's kind of lost in the in the background of the set piece. And so that can be a little frustrating. In terms of audio, there's a lot of sound effects and they come out very clearly, whether it's like the whacking of enemies or when the enemies are starting to do an attack or something like that or grunts or things. Uh, I like the music in this game. It gives, when you're in levels, it gives these Sonic Mega Man vibes. Like, let's go, like we're in it, like let's move, let's move. And I really enjoy it. And some of the other songs have some somber feels because I think there is something in the story here that's a bit heavy. Again, I don't think we're we're coming at it that often, but I do like the music there and I like you know, learning about from some of these NPCs and stuff like that, what what's going on. But thematically, I think this game is very charming. I like the dialogue. I like the sense of humor. There's a lot of matter-of-factly type things going on. Some of it is like bone humor and skeleton humor that I find just like very simple. It's just simple touches. It's not over the top. Uh, when you first start the game, like in the respawn room, you have to run out and like dive off the ledge to get to the bottom where the doors are. And when you dive off, you're jumping down this building and you're seeing the building on the left. And then all of a sudden you see this guy, this skeleton who's like in scaffolding, like he's painting the wall or like he's washing the windows. It's just so random, but it, it just really made me, it makes me smile every time I pass it. In terms of the story, like I said, something is here. There's this idea that skeletons are under attack and humans are the culprit and they're trying to like take over. I don't know if there's, you know, some kind of perspective going on because obviously skeletons were used to be humans, but I don't know if that's involved here. Again, a little frustrating because it's like taking too long to find out. I'm not progressing, so I'm not like quickly getting more story. I have to keep starting at the beginning um, and sort of not getting that story stuff. Let's wrap up the conversation about Skull the Hero Slayer. Right off the bat, I've been brutally honest. I don't like roguelikes. I want permanence. I want progress in games. I like that. It's a sense of comfort for me. And so with this game, I have plenty of suggestions that I think could make it better for me. Like I said, the boss progression, uh, when you're done with that zone, you know, maybe it just opens up another door after that initial jump down where you're going in into a door just to go right into the first level. But regardless, I love the combat in this game. It's so kinetic. It's so responsive. It's so clean. And there's so much customization. I think there are like 100 different skulls in the game. You know, sometimes it can be, be annoying with the random drops. But I didn't find that I had many runs where just like, oh, I'm definitely going to die. Like, I always had a chance. And I actually you know, beat the first boss on like, like I had two skulls that were like kind of okay. 
And so I think everything is viable and, and versatile and you can balance things out. The combat is just keeping me coming back. Again, I do hate starting over, but that one more run kind of in the back of your head, like, oh yeah, just do one more run. It comes up in this game and I've done it a bunch of times and that's what these type of games, they do to you. And you know, it's very infectious. And so I think this game has its claws. In terms of value, I love this game at 10 bucks. I bought it for 14. I think that's fine. I think 15 is fine. If you can see this on sale for 10 bucks, I would say jump on it. It's a really cool experience. I'm not sure if I'll ever beat it. I know I talked about the different run times and completing everything. I don't know if it takes into account how how often you're dying, but I think it's a game that is really cool to play for a little bit, see how it feels, and then jump back into it later. I dig that, and I think there's some value here. Um, so I recommend this game. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.